0: Bloody Elbow presents the Level Change Podcast, a combat sports variety show that brings you analysis, fight breakdowns, and insightful discussion of MMA's biggest headlines. Here are your hosts, Steffi Haynes and Victor Rodriguez.
1: Welcome back, and thank you for listening to episode 233 of the Level Change Podcast. I'm Steffi Haynes, and I'm joined, as always, by my amazing co-host, my brother, Victor Sinister Rodriguez. And wow, there are some headlines today, some salacious ones, Victor. I gotta get started with the first one, though, because it made me laugh so hard. Alistair Overeem, if y'all haven't been paying attention, Alistair Overeem pissed hot again, uh, this time for uh, the Glory kickboxing promotion. But I could not help but laugh when I saw our headline to the story on Bloody Elbow. In in quotes, an inflated story. Alistair Overeem's trainer says anti-inflammatory drug caused test failure. Okay, the pun, the the absolute massive puns in the whole thing, an inflated story after an anti-inflammatory drug. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) I was just... So tickled with that headline.
2: Sounds like the shit didn't do the job now, did it? <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> An inflated story. <laughs> oh man. Just the idea that once again Alistair has pissed hot. Oh, I don't even mind though. I mean he's the 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 man's in his forties. It was for kickboxing. <laughs> I mean it's yes,
2: right? Thank you. We well, get all high and mighty over this shit. <laughs> <street, okay?
1: laughs> right. He
2: was oh, a, oh my god in the year of our lord 2023 we're still doing this my god dude we all saw the guy we all saw what he looked like when he left the ufc we all saw when he what he looked like when he stepped in there like, yeah <laughs> my, my favorite part was the no horsing around I'm like oh you motherfuckers you <laughs> motherfuckers you got me good this time man i'm sitting i'm i remember i'm opening my phone I sit on my couch. What was I doing? I was writing a preview or something. I see that and I was just like, man, I just had to put my phone out for me. I'm like, uh, this 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 ain't the life I'm supposed to be leading, man. I ain't living right. I ain't got Christ in my heart. This is terrible. Who wrote this shit? And then I'm like, who was like, oh actually no, that was that was quite nice. (laughs) I respect it so much. It's really good.
1: Oh, 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 so my my second salacious headline is gonna make you laugh equally. I love this so much, but I love it because once again, our brilliant gifted writers, this time, Tim Bissell gets my, my two thumbs up award report. Dana White's power slap can by TBS. And then the little, the little punchline under (laughs) it, hundreds, hundreds of people will be disappointed.
2: (laughs) Oh, God. Well, doesn't it feel nice? Yes. Doesn't it feel nice to know? Like, and this ain't a matter of like, oh, you guys are tap dancing on this on the, the failures of somebody more successful. No, 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 no. Listen, listen. If you're already listening to the show, you're probably not thinking that, which, fine, I kind of appreciate it. I still hate you, but mm. I respect that. <laughs> what I have a thing is, what, what I have a thing with this, this whole situation is, now it, it, it's like you're going to be relegated to the gutter with this thing <laughs> that isn't even a sport, nobody cared about. We talked about this. I was surprised, I mean, slightly surprised, when we found out that it got canceled and then it wasn't, it was actually postponed. And What did I say at the time? I said, they probably sold their ad space in advance mm-hmm. and they kind of just had to go through with it and eat shit, see how it went. And the ratings did not deliver. The ratings, in fact, uh, tanked in a fashion that the final episode ended up being a, uh, the, the worst ratings of the season. When you have a situation like that, you cannot expect with all the hassle, all the trouble, everything else, you're not going to be able to expect that they'll bring you back. And here he was talking about season two and season three, and we got a steady foundation. We're going to do all this. Okay, well, you can build that foundation over at the anti-woke, you know, uh, uh, I have the right to say the N-word network that will... uh, will surely bring in all the darlings, all these people, they will be paying, let me see, let me count my coins here, dozens, dozens of, of pennies per year to watch your little, bro, nobody gives a fuck. Nobody cares. This is, this is even worse. Like, the Overeem thing at least has maybe not any real repercussions, right? It's like, it, it's, it's, it's at least something that will remain relevant, whereas the Slap League thing, it does not. And it feels fantastic. Not to just ridicule this thing, but to not even have to pretend to give a fuck that this is a thing. Whether or not they continue to do it, well, Nevada's already got it legalized. A couple of other states are making the move, attempting to have it happen. Uh, Aronson and McMahon of uh, Titan and... uh, they're 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 working in Florida to try to get that going, because, of course, are you surprised that they didn't have this legal laws already in Florida? Aronson lives
1: in Florida anyways. That's where he's yeah. from. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, it, it makes perfect sense. Aronson, who a lot of people might not remember if you're not familiar with Jeff Aronson. He was a guy who Cash made for his gold. gold. Selling gold, buying and selling gold. The cash
1: for gold guy. Yep. And if you want to know something extra, extra, have you ever seen the perfect 10 hair care line? That's his wife. His wife is the, um, is the, the inventor of perfect 10 hair care line. It's a very high end luxury hair care line. It's actually pretty good. Really? Yeah.
2: Well, maybe I should be nice to them because I mean, as long as my hair is getting, I should.
1: (laughs) (laughs) but yeah uh, and and lex mcmahon he has been kicking around since before titan he was yeah. with um remember when mc hammer dipped his toe into mma management oh do i remember All yes right. his business partner, video. yeah his business partner was lex mcmahon yes so
2: yes that was that was their that was their thing and, and they were um But that's another one. I got to share this. When when this goes live, I got to put this up on Twitter. It was a music video that MC Hammer had using the fighters that they had under management, including one, Brendan Shaw. Yes. They had Rory
1: McDonald, too.
2: And they had a uh, it was a thing where it was a diss track. Actually, I don't know if the fighters were familiar with the intent behind the video, but he was accusing Jay-Z, among other things, of not only being part of the illuminati but yes. of being satan or if not satan if not satan himself an envoy of satan which
1: yeah you know
2: i just i there's something funny about old rappers complaining that younger guys don't give them proper respect or deference. Hey, do you
1: remember a beef i don't know if you're old enough for this but i am and i'm an old rap head Just for all of you out there, if you don't know me, I'm an old rap head, big time. And there was a beef with MC Hammer and um, Search from third base.
2: Yeah, I remember that.
1: MC Hammer wanted to kill that motherfucker. There was an, and it was over an imaginary beef at that. It wasn't even real. It was all in his head. It was all in MC Hammer's head. And he wanted to take a gun and shoot Search in the face.
2: Well, you know what's funny? Search has actually talked about this, and, I, and it was really funny to me. Like, people don't understand. There's a picture of, I think it was Snoop Dogg, Shug Knight, Tupac, and, and, and MC Hammer. I think, it's, I think that's the group. And everyone's like, you know, you don't realize the most dangerous person in that photo was MC, MC Hammer. Hammer. <laughs> yes.
1: When you got God behind you, you think you're invincible.
2: Well, it ain't just that. I mean, the man I had know. ties. You know what I mean? Yeah, this this I dude was not walking around without blessings. So, um, th- yeah, it, the, the, where did, <laughs> why are we doing this? Yeah. Why are we doing this whole thing with this, this power slap bullshit, this whole, uh, well, you know, we're, we're going to see where this continues. We're going to bring in coaches. Oh, oh, I, I got something. I got something. Now that they're going to be on Rumble, maybe that's where he's going to be able to upload and publish that new video that he said he was going to do Tearing down the media and, and silencing all the, the, the haters and the doubters. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, dude. You really want to do that when you're the one in the fucking toilet? <laughs> I, I, my my place of, of employment is fine. Your little vanity project is the one that's in the shitter. I don't know what the fuck you thought you were doing with that. I don't know who you thought, you thought this was going to be a hit. You thought the streets was feeling this? Okay, cool stuff, man. I like it. Good.
1: <laughs> all right, so... We are going to bring you some other news, some, some serious news. We started talking about this last week, and I mentioned that I felt like Merov Vili was in Dana White's crosshairs, and by virtue of that, the UFC's crosshairs, for being so loyal to his teammate, Aljamain Sterling, that he doesn't want to fight him. They are like family. They refer to each other as brothers. You cannot get in between that. And by virtue of Merab saying that he won't fight Al Jermaine as long as he's champion or in, on his team, that he, you know, he's just not going to fight him, that he's willing to wait for Al Jermaine to move up, which he has indicated that he's going to do. The UFC has now started withholding big fights from him. Dana White had this to say, you can still be friends and want what your friend has. It would be <clears throat> a really bad idea for Rob to go down that path. Now, this was at the oh. UFC Vegas 41 post-fight scrum. This was a couple of years ago. You know, we we're, we're already at UFC Vegas 71. But the point is is that stands You can still be friends and want what your friend has. That's what Dana said. Merob had already had a previous run-in with the UFC regarding that same issue. It was already far-reaching way back. It's already been happening. I was right. So check this out. And This was for an interview for the MMA Hour with Ariel Helwani. He told Ariel, actually, that wasn't the first time first time he said that, it was right after I beat Jose Aldo. We met Dana White after, and he was talking to my coach like, I should not mention that. And after that, matchmaker Sean Shelby was saying, he cannot give me the O'Malley fight. He cannot give me the Cheeto Vera fight. He cannot give me Corey Sandhagen or Piotr Jan. Because if I beat them, and then I'm not fighting my friend for the title, and I understand business. And I was so sad that there was no fight for me. Luckily, Piotr pushed for the fight, and they gave me this Piotr fight, and I'm happy and I appreciate it. They told me to fight Ricky Simone, but then I have an eight-fight win streak. I'm the number two or three at the time, and I already beat Ricky Simone. Everybody knows. Whoever wants to watch this fight, just go to UFC Fight Pass. I beat this guy. I know in my head, I beat this guy. He's a good fighter. But why do I have to fight him? I understand business, everything. But Aljamain Sterling is my friend. He's my brother. It's all good, man. Aljo has a fight now. He's fighting Henry Cejudo. I'm going to be back in the gym in about a week. And I'm going to help him prepare for Henry Cejudo. And I think after that, He will beat up O'Malley and then he's planning to move up. If he wants to do it, then I will fight for the title. I look at that. I knew it all along. (laughs) Sarah Longo. One would assume because Matt, Sarah and Dana White are so close that Sarah Longo would sort of be immune to this kind of stuff. And that's, (laughs) and that that is not saying that that is right. Right. I am saying that that is basically the trend that we've seen all along. When Dana is tight with someone from a camp, we generally see the entire camp sort of immune from being thrown under the bus, but not Sarah Longo. He has not been a fan of Aljamain Sterling for the last seven years. Aljamain spoke out. He Piped up too loud about fighter pay. Piped up too loud about willing to explore free agency. Then you have Merob who doesn't want to fight his buddy. You have Chris Weidman out there who's talking about, you know, fighters don't actually make as much as the UFC would like you to think. They they, they lose out on sponsors. They lose out on everything. They are forced to sign posters that the UFC sells and doesn't give them a nickel of. There's a Mm. lot of things that come from that camp that would put Merob in that undesirable category and him not wanting to fight Aljamain is the prime reason why he's probably going to be stuck just like Aljo was being buried on the prelims and being forced to take fights that serve no purpose for him. Victor.
2: Okay, so two things. Number one, uh, I I I understand that, and I agree that that Dan is perhaps uh, not very. Um, I mean, I don't want to say he's going scorched earth on him quite yet. That perhaps might be a bit strong, but he's certainly not handling this uh, in, in the kindest way, and it's showing very clearly that there is a bias here. Um, whether that stems from the thing there, I personally think it's racism. I think the anti-Georgian basis is uh, bias has gone too far and it must be stopped. Um, I feel a little sad too that, I mean, I'm hearing him talk and I'm imagining him sounding like, uh, uh, the, the Torgo from the hands of fake on like now Merab, no, have fight Merab is sad. <laughs> He's got a single tear coming running down his cheek and you know, the eyes of an angel starts playing like, get this man a fight, please. Um, yeah, man, you feel bad, you know what I'm saying? Like, look, obviously, and you raised a great point. As far as the uh, the Sarah Longo connection, I'm sure he loves Matt Sarah. I'm sure he's more than willing to do many things for Matt Sarah and uh, allow him many exceptions and grant him many charities and and uh, and many kindnesses and and, and all the sort of thing. But at the same time, Matt Sarah doesn't control his guys, and I'm fairly certain that he has made that and communicated that to anyway, he's made that sufficiently clear. Hey man, listen, there's so much I can do. <laughs> you know, these guys, they're they're going to be their own guys, and I would expect no less from Matt Serra. At the same time, I mean, shit, you, you, we saw how he was during his time as an active fighter, and he's he's been a no bullshit guy for many things. So um, <laughs> there's there's you you can't really make demands of fighters just because they're part of your gym and part of your team, especially when they're champions. I mean, you're gonna sit there and tell me that. If Aljo says, yo, I'm gonna uproot my shit and go to TriStar, that wouldn't be a problem. You know, that would that would be a bit of a loss for that gym. You know, they've got great fighters, they've got great up and coming prospects, but at the same time, losing a champion, especially one as as talented as Aljo, someone who looks like he's in this for the long haul, uh, someone who has remained elite for quite some time and looks like he's gonna stay elite for even longer, that hurts. And even so, even more so when they're under the tutelage of, you know, this this umbrella, right? This this uh network of of gyms and coaches and everything that's that's a problem and you compound that with the fact that marab is yet another talent that is massive and he is uh, you know not just an excellent fighter he seems like someone that they can make some good money with right he's he's someone who is affable as well right he's a little charismatic a bit you know maybe not so uh, he's not he's not camera hungry but You know, he's he's a guy who's got a bit of a presence and it's nice, you know, to have different types of characters in the game. But man, this is not the way to handle shit and I'm glad that he put this out on Front Street. I understand that this is also something of a sacrifice, that this is something that could get him in trouble. I get that. But better to put it out there, man. I mean, what are they going to do? Cut him? (laughs) You can't exactly do that. (laughs) He's in there telling me that PFL or Bellator Rising or aren't going to snatch that dude up in a heartbeat. Come on, man. You're just going to leave more money on the table here. You're going to fuck that up too? No, nah, you can't do that. So I think that this is another situation of a fighter realizing that they've been sort of put in the uncomfortable position where they have to say something. You know, and if they do, well, I'm going to measure what I say. I'm going to be somewhat cavalier about it so as not to burn any bridges or anything like that. But at the same time, there's a bit of gamesmanship here, right? I mean, there's a bit of shrewd, you know, working around and and, you know, not saying too much, but saying just enough to ease some of the pressure and to get a little more equity, a little more parity towards, you know, whatever form that takes, which, of course, we know there's ultimately not too much of that. So I think there's a little bit of that there, and I think they should be commended for the way they're doing this.
1: There is the flip side of this and that is being that they are withholding big fights from him they yes. are going to put his feet to the fire and say you know we'll, we'll leave you on the shelf either take a fight that you don't like or sit on the shelf right I mean, that's that's going to be the shit or get off the pot moment it's going to suck too hopefully yeah. all of this stuff i mean if he's fine with waiting possibly a year or more for a fight it's great but this is the situation that fighters all fighters are in it's not just merop the only right. ones that are truly able to pick and choose are probably like you know connor john jones mm. very very few people get to pick and choose so well, john jones, depending on the day of the week too i
2: mean yeah. that, that you got the te- the temperature has to but no but you're right i mean there he is it within that handful of guys mm-hmm. You know they they will be willing to carve out exceptions for.
1: I would say Izzy might fit in that category. Um, Islam, I don't know.
2: Oh yes, I don't know. Muslim superstar, yes, they've been very big on that. On on those guys, come on, man. Are you kidding? Ooh,
1: they sat there and they wouldn't even let him have the the pound for pound after he won for a fight that where that it was billed, This is for pound for pound supremacy. And they didn't even give that, it to him.
2: I don't know about that. You know why? Because while that is true, I don't know that that has to do as much with their their the way that they view the money-making potential for someone. Because when they're willing to change pay-per-view hours for a U.S. audience, which shoulders the burden mm. of the pay-per-view cost, they don't have pay-per-view in most countries, but we do here. And we've been bankrolling this sport for a very long time, at least when it comes to the UFC. And so, when they're willing to do that to appease the Emiratis, and they're going over there and and then showcasing uh, Khabib and, and Islam as the heir apparent, I mean, yeah, they I'm, he's getting certain accommodations out of him.
1: Maybe I don't know. I don't see it that way. I mm-hmm. I don't see him as having the appeal that Khabib had, and I feel like they're always on the lookout for the next one. And I don't well, think that Islam is the next one as far as presence. As no, far no, no, as, no, I don't
2: think he's there. I don't think yeah. he's there either. But in terms of at least in terms of at least talent and and trying to force that that square peg into the uh, into the round oh, hole, sure, I, I think they're trying to do that.
1: I don't know because if they're, they're trying to do it, though, especially after watching them yank back the the pound for pound moniker. That was a a very big symbol to me that they're not as heavily invested in Islam as one might think, because they would have immediately slapped that on there. They would.
2: I don't know if they really care as much about it, to be honest. I'm not sure. It
1: was the whole premise of the fight.
2: Well, but as a marketing bullshit point. But after that, do you think they really care once they start counting the money?
1: Oh, I don't don't think they care beyond that. But when you are marketing it as that and you're laying it out the way you're laying it out, one would think that they'd want to keep everyone appeased. They're the new Muslim king. And, and the two things can also exist in the same space. Does the UFC always make sense?
2: Nope. No. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so it could be a bit of what you're saying and what I'm saying all in the same ugly space.
2: Well, you know, I, I just, just to bring things back to Marab for a second, it's just like the, the advantage that he has is that they can deny fights all they want. They're not going to wait for him to lose. They can't just John Fitch, the guy like right. at some point, at some point, he's going to still beat back all these other prospects and be that guy who, you know, that guy who keeps playing spoiler. Hey, nice prospect he got there. Be ashamed if something happened to him. <laughs> he just keeps fucking him up over and over and over. And it's going to probably be inevitable. So I think he probably woke up to that fact as well and, and, and might have said, you know what? Hey, what have I got to lose? And indeed, what?
1: I got a question for you. Sure. Who wins, Aljo or Marob?
2: Mm, I have I'll been playing it. it in
1: my head over and over, and wow, I keep coming back to Marop.
2: You know, I don't know. I don't know if he's able to put away as many onion rings as, as Aljo. So if they both start <laughs> eating at this. Oh, you mean if. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, shit. I don't know, dude. I don't know. I'd probably. Mm. I can't yeah.
1: figure it out either. What a conundrum, right? That yeah. is a fight that I would really love to see. So I, I would will not lie at all. I would love to see that fight, but that's a that's a hard course fight. That's not a casual fans fight at all. That's a hardcore right. fight, but I would kill to see it. I would.
3: Wait. Who would
2: you kill to see it? Now I gotta know this, so you gotta answer that question.
1: <laughs>
2: um, uh, maybe you don't have to answer it. Let's leave hmm, that alone.
1: I don't know. I would say hmm nobody. <laughs> I've my myself own
2: already on this show. I don't know that I want to keep doing this shit for funsies anymore. This, this, <laughs> this is a
1: problem. You got
2: too many snitches out here on Twitter. I don't know about that, man.
1: <laughs> so yeah. anyways, take us out of this and give me something fun.
2: Well, I mean, okay. So the definition of the term fun, I mean, it's carrying some weight, you know what I mean? It's, it's, uh, I don't know that you would really qualify this exactly as fun, but there is some fun to it. Um, I'd like to redirect your attention to someone who is not a fighter. This comes from the Austin American Statesman, and of course, Austin, a city that with the exemption of one kid in should in fact sink into the ground. Joe Rogan, who is now 55 years old. Yes, believably so. And he's looking pretty good for that age. Uh, he has opened a comedy club in Austin, which has been described as the a uh, non-woke comedy club. It is known as the Comedy Mothership. And it was uh, pretty big to do, given that they had remodeled the uh, what was known previously as the Ritz, I believe, a uh, comedy club. And, you know, man, you know, it's just got some gems in it. It really does. So he's, he's talking about, well, okay. So, so first off, he comes out and he declares, I'm drunken on mushrooms in my new club. And, and he says, you can't fire me for my own club, bitch. Which okay, I'll grant him that. That was kind of funny. Opening night, you want to hear? You want to hear this? This collection of winners that they had. Get this: Ron White, okay, cool. David Lucas, no idea who he is. Tim Dillon, Ugh. Tony Hinchcliffe. I mean, your mileage may vary. And Roseanne Barr. Yes. Oh God. Same, the same Roseanne Barr who just had a cracking comedy special on Fox Nation. Seffy. Did you see the special? Did, no. you, did you feel the Roseanne fever? Did you catch it? Nope.
1: I didn't uh, even oh. know it happened.
2: Yeah, it's the one where she uttered the amazing line, my pronouns are kiss my ass.
1: Remember when she was uh, tapped to sing the national anthem and she belts it out in that awful voice, grabs her crotch, hawks up a loogie and spits on the ground?
2: Yeah. I mean, listen, what people find funny is, you know, it's subjective, I suppose. Look, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that she wasn't funny at some point or talented because she absolutely was undeniably so. But Jesus Christ, like you're hanging out with her in 2023. Okay, buddy. All right. Fair enough.
1: You want to know what I find so hilarious about that? I came (laughs) across a tweet that when you go to that comedy club, one, they take your phone from you. And two, they have cameras in there that get you, if I'm to understand correctly, from the front and from the profile, and they have a no heckling rule. And if you are caught heckling, they ban you for life. And because they have your images on file, they use that camera for this specific purpose. It is to have facial recognition on file of the people coming in so that when they ban you, you cannot come back in. Yes. Oh, so, And wait, these are wait. the people that call... Any left-leaning liberal person, anybody that doesn't fall right in with what they are pushing, they call those people snowflakes, woke pussies, whatever. So, wait, what, yes, wait,
2: telling me that what they've essentially done is create a comedy club that operates as a safe space. Yep. Oh wow! Can yep. you imagine? Wow. Well, you, well, I never. Here I am, putting my hands on my hips like Vicky Lawrence and Mama's Family. Holy shit! He couldn't have told me that. Wow. Mm beautiful uh what, what, what i yeah look it's not fight related i know it's not so much we're not just doing this like oh let's just shoot on rogan but it is it is related it is in a way tangential to this because it does illustrate the elements of culture surrounding all of this right i mean this is what we see in combat sports spaces this is the kind of bullshit that gets regurgitated and You know, you see these things happen. If you've ever seen Jake Shields and boy, howdy, you're going to be in for a ride if you follow that motherfucker. If you've ever seen Tim Kennedy, all this stuff that these guys say publicly, this stuff gets said in gyms every day. This stuff affects how they communicate and how they view the world and how they do things. And, you know, I mean, it probably doesn't mean much to some people, but trust me, it kind of does matter in the end. I don't know, man. It's just, it's just gross. Like at first, I heard it, I'm like, all right, you know what? Good for him. It's about time he opened his own comedy club. And then I see this, I'm like, ah, oh, jeez, dude. Have fun with your little club, you know. Good for you. I, I don't, you know, I'm not. Uh, there's, I don't think there should be any need for, you know, of course, not that I've seen any, but there's, there shouldn't be any outrage or anything you know, over this. Um, it's fine. It's whatever. But then you see all this other stuff. I'm like, bro, ain't you grown? I just opened by stating this man was 55 years old. You understand, like, why? Why are you doing this? You're taking photos of people and shit. Yeah. I don't know, man. That read, doesn't.
1: Let me read the 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 tweet. And this comes from unfunny Parodius, and this yeah. thing has been liked and shared tens. I mean, forty six point eight thousand times. He said, "I just found out that they scan your face." and keep a record of it, and they take your phone before they allow you into the club, so you cannot record anything, and if you heckle, you're permanently banned on the scan of your face. This wow. is a safe space for the biggest pussies imaginable. And he has quoted the, this, I I can't even make this up, the, the outlet that first reported on this was Newsmax. Newsmax.
2: Oh, they were one of them. Yeah, Hollywood Reporter got in at the same time too. I don't know who. I don't know who got to it first. It was but one of the two.
1: The one, the biggest one that I've seen shared more was the Newsmax one. But, anyways, uh, other people replied to him. Dave Chappelle started this. That it has been a sh- a stipulation for Chappelle's shows specifically that they take the, the phones at, at the door, and yeah. if you heckle, you are immediately ejected.
2: Well, I, I remember guys like Chris Rock doing that, too, in a, a while ago, because it was one of those things where, like, you know, you don't want you. So when you when you're doing stand up, right, sometimes you work some stuff out. You know, you're you're still kind of working on some material, hammering some things here and there, trying to make shit fit. And you don't want something to that maybe doesn't reflect the best, you know, because some folks, once you reach a level, of popularity or fame, right? They think every night's going to be, you know, you knocking it out the park when you're trying to drum up new material. It doesn't work that way. So the justification there was well, like, listen, man, you can't just be out here recording and shit. You know, if you get caught recording, you'll be kicked out. Now, as far as the no heckling rule and all that, I don't know about it, but it does seem really unfortunate that the guys that have been pushing this from way back then are now guys that are being known for Stuff like this, right? Stuff for Mm -hmm. complaining about cancel culture and then, you know, reaching that old man phase where they're they can't really relate to the audience and they're saying shit that doesn't really resonate. At top of that, it's not even funny. I mean, have you seen any clips from the Chris Rock special?
1: Yes. And they're horrible.
2: Okay, but how many how many clips are actually being shared? I have not seen not one. There's only one that I've seen I've seen
1: around. two shared. One is the really bad one where he's talking about Jada and you know, the the affairs and in gross graphic detail. Um, And the other one is how he's talking about Meghan Markle and how she's imagining racism. I mean, they have shown reports from the security details showing letters being mailed in and phone calls being recorded where people have threatened to shoot her. I mean yeah. and then the and then Charles withdraws their detail, so they fled the country because people were sending legitimate death threats, and Chris Rock is up here saying that it was imagined that they yes. weren't saying these things and weren't making these very real threats, and that the uh the royal family didn't actually say they wanted to know how dark the baby was gonna be,
2: yeah, see here's here's what's going on there. It took him a year to come out and and do this. I'm sure he probably sat on it because he knew he was going to have an Netflix special. I'm sure he was going to try it like a year later. Don't nobody give a fuck about this anymore.
1: This is the
2: same. Meghan Markle and and the slap. And this is the best you could come up with more victim blaming.
1: Yeah. and then What gets me is this is the same guy that sat there in a video and I'll, 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 post this up on my Twitter uh, with Ricky Gervais and Louis CK, where they are all calling each other the N word and he's allowing it and yucking it up. Jerry Seinfeld is there. And of all people, Jerry Seinfeld was the voice of reason and said, y'all, this is messed up. What are you doing here? I can't even, I mean, he literally, when you say the, the term, throw up your hands. Okay. He literally threw his hands in the air. I mean, he was done with it. You should, Victor. I was. You wouldn't. Even- oh, I have seen that clip. And let me yet
2: again. Mm-hmm. This is yet another one that's that's aged like like milk left on a radiator with kerosene in. I mean, look who's there, Ricky Gervais. Wow, real winner that one these days, right? Louis C.K. Hey, wonder what happened to that guy. <laughs> it's just like why are, why are people taking point from these folks? Fuck- well, the point that I tried to make with the whole clips being shared thing. Was usually when a comedy special is great, you start seeing them get shared and celebrated. That's not happening here, and that's that that should be an indication. And I'm sure we'll be seeing more shit like that from the uh, little uh, you know from from the comedy club. And look, I hope it goes well. I hope that uh, they're able to um, you know thrive with that. They're in Austin. It's it's a fun party city and all that. And and
1: Austin's you know, the like trans- the woke part of of texas though well, he picked long, the wrong place to put an anti-woke club because austin's off. super progressive it is the one place in texas that is progressive
2: only but only for now all the all the venture capital money coming in all that shit mm-hmm. that's watch they're, they're, they're banking on that yeah that's why all these other guys moved out there that's why all these other you know other folks that have been in that same van and watch it'll be popular and it'll probably catch on for a bit but no well, who knows Elon maybe, is know, here now.
1: it's I mean Elon is here now Elon lives in in Austin as well
2: well, yeah, real winner that one
1: mhm, mm-hmm. so anyways, I am just flabbergasted because I shared my one of my last posts that I did um on Joe Rogan, one of my last interviews, and it was a long form one that I did for s b nation and I, I interviewed him for about two and a half hours and If you read that interview, you would not even believe that that Joe Rogan is the same Joe Rogan that we're discussing right now, night and day, night and day. I know.
2: Um, I know. I still listen to his podcast to a point like from like episode one for years.
1: Somebody actually pulled a quote from it. And let me read something to you and tell, tell me if this sounds like today's Joe Rogan. Again. I'm really not educated enough about medicine and the human body to really comment on what doctors have cleared and have not cleared. If the doctor says Stefan Struve's heart is okay and he can fight again, I will go with what the doctor says. Tell me Mm -hmm. that Joe Rogan is the same one that is today that would rather use ivermectin.
2: (laughs) See, (laughs) the joke is on you. Because that Joe Rogan decided, you know what, maybe I should start looking for doctors that agree with my preconceived notions and work from there. And that's what he did.
1: So anyways, it's just amazing. All right. We are going to break down the main card from UFC 286. Uh, Card is good. I am really loving a lot of these matchups. But in the interest of time, we're just going to look at the main card. Uh, the headlining fight is the rematch number three, Leon Edwards versus Kamaru Usman. This is for all the marbles, but we're going to start at the curtain jerker. Now there were a lot of really good fights on this card. I mean, I was tempted to add a whole bunch of other ones, but I'm not going to do that. I am going to focus on one extracurricular one, though, just really fast. All I want, and I'll ask Mookie this later because I did not include it, but if I were to ask you for just a knee-jerk reaction, just shout out a name. Jack Shore versus Maquan Americani. Jack Shore. Jack Shore. I know know Mookie would say the same thing. Talk about a mismatch from hell. All right. Um, I do, do you feel really like-
2: want to trust? Do you really want to trust another SBG no, Ireland guy? I, I really do. You talk, you've tread this water before.
1: And the thing is, is Mister Finland used to be so dynamic, and I know he was a diamond in the rough. I just feel like if he could get away from that camp, we might get to see a glimpse of that old Mister Finland. Because this I hope, one, I
2: hope it's not too late. I really do. I
1: know, right? Man, such a charismatic dude, too, that fell underneath of his own ceiling. Ugh. Mm. Alright, so, Curtain Jerker. Marvin Vittori versus the guy that me and Victor have been on this dude's wagon for a long time. This dude's stand wagon is just filled from top to bottom with just two people, me and Victor. Roman Delidze. Marvin Vittori. I am taking Zalidze, Mookie is taking Vittori. Half of Bloody Elbow, most of Bloody Elbow has taken Vittoria. I have a feeling about Roman Delizia, and I am not going to stray from it. I don't care.
2: Okay. Well, you know, I mean, have we established my feelings on Vittoria? Mm-hmm. Have we, have, we not, have we not gone? Again, we have tread this water. Marvin, not the smartest fighter. Roman, very smart. Anything Marvin can do. Roman can do either just as well, if not better, especially when it comes to groundwork. He is really, really good at that. So, eh, uh, I don't know. I, I I, don't know why anyone would think that, that uh, Marvin should be the favorite here in any capacity. I'm absolutely going with Roman.
1: All right. Uh next up we have King Casey O'Neil taking on Jennifer Maya. These lines are crazy. Okay, King Casey shouldn't be as wide a favorite. At least yesterday was pretty the odds were pretty pretty massive uh the mm-hmm. disparity. Jennifer Maya, look at her record and look at Casey O'Neill's record. Look at the quality of competition. Jennifer is only lost to people that were contenders or champs. I am very tempted to take Maya here. I'm, I'm, man, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Let me hear you wanna, what you have to
2: say. You want
1: to nudge? I I need to hear what you have to say.
2: I'm going with Jennifer Maya.
1: Okay.
2: Casey has skills. She's got athleticism, but yeah. I think Maya's got the experience. And, you know, she's just, she's been in bigger pressure situations than this. She seems like she's finding a groove. I'm going to go her.
1: Yeah. See, I've been feeling the same way. Yep. I'm going to go ahead and go, Maya. Um, Mookie is going with Casey O'Neill. Next up, the return of the man shark. Gunnar Nelson. He is. Mm. Ah, man. I don't know if I like this fight or not. I don't know if I like it or not. Gunnar Nelson has taken on Brian Barbarino. Sorry. I got a little sidetracked there. Brian Barbarino, man, what a cardio machine that guy is. And even when it seems like his cardio is running out, he has like the reserve tank. Uh, If if you don't ride a a Harley or a motorcycle, I'm not even sure about other bikes because I've only ever had a Harley once uh, many moons ago. Yes, I can ride. Anyways. Uh, There's a reserve tank typically on, on most of the bigger bikes and Barbarino strikes me as the guy that has that small reserve tank. He'll get winded second round, maybe even into the third round by, but by about the second or third minute of the third round, he gets that second wind. And can really pile it on. And he knows how to finish a fight. He also knows how to finish rounds. And that sticks out to me. I can't help myself. And Gunny likes to fight with his... He he fell in love with his hands. I don't mind that because he does have some some power in them, but I wouldn't rely on those over his amazing grappling. And that's the problem I have with Gunny is he's too willing to be drawn into a firefight. And I don't think Brian Barberina is the guy you want to have a firefight with because he knows how to finish the rounds and the fight. So I'm kind <laughs> of leaning Barberina, but I want to pick Gunny because I'm, I've been a big fan of his for a long time. I don't know. Let me hear you.
2: Yeah, I'm going with Brian. I don't trust I don't trust Nelson no more. I, I, don't I just either. don't. Isn't
1: he, is he still well actually he's
2: doing his own thing with Team Yolner or whatever. But I mean come on man, I don't know. Fights start standing, like I yeah, no, no, I'm trusting Brian. He's he's I as I mentioned, and of course this will be uh, this will be up on the site by the time you hear this, but it just seems to me that Brian has turned a corner, whereas Gunny has declined. I feel like he's regressed a bit and I don't, I don't think he's going to get it. I just don't think that this is, I think that Brian's kind of, um, after all his medical stuff, he's just kind of, uh, found a new bounce in his step and he's working with it. So,
1: I mean, yeah, the, the loss to RDA, I, I don't, I don't put that as something that makes him look terrible or anything like that. I mean, okay. that could have been anyone. It was a rear naked choke. Yeah. Uh, but before that, you know, he'd beaten Robbie Lawler. He'd beaten Matt Brown. He'd beaten Darian Winks. Um, I know he's been very spotty. I, I, I but he's pretty solidly dependable at the same time, you know. And against guys that are re- uh, on a return, I mean, and Gunny. Let's see here. He hasn't fought in a year. His last fight was over Takashi Sato. He won a decision, but he'd lost to Gilbert Burns before that and to Leon Edwards before that. Um, he would gotten a win over Cowboy Oliveira, but lost to Ponzinibbio before that. He had. There's definitely a ceiling here. I'm noticing that. Okay, let's see here. Highest, I'm going to say Alan Jobin. Jobin? Maybe Albert Tumanov would be the highest ranked guys at the time that he defeated them. Okay. Yeah. Um I couldn't even say Zach Cummings or um Omari Akhmetov. Wow. Hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm definitely gonna take Barbarina. Mookie is taking Gunnar Nelson.
2: Oh well okay.
1: So we get to the co main event. Wow. This Jesus. fight. Jeez. Jesus Christ! What a fight! Justin Gaethje taking on Raphael Fiziev. I think Justin Gaethje might have. Hmm. I think he might have enough long drawn out battles since he's been in the UFC for a lifetime. a lifetime because remember when he was in world series of fighting his fights hardly ever went the distance he was always finishing them but even in the fights with palomino where that you know he would get a second round or whatever those were a whole fight in and of themselves just in one round yeah so i'm over here and i'm going back in my mind over the fights with Poirier and the fights with Ferguson and the fight with Chandler. And I'm that's years off someone's life years. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking at Rafael Fiziev who doesn't fight with his chin hanging out because he feels like it's invincible, untouchable, uncrackable. Justin takes way too many chances for my liking. Rafael mm-hmm. Fiziev fights a little smarter. I'm taking Rafael Fiziev because of that.
2: Yeah, Fiziev has more layers to his striking game. He has better defense. He's the kind of, he's the There's a caliber of guy, much like what we saw with Poirier, much like what we saw with Alvarez. There's just a caliber of guy that has a bit more structure in the way in which they fight. And Fiziev has that. I do lament the fact that he doesn't have there should be a sponsorship in place for him with Alka Seltzer because I mean, get fizzy with fizzy. Heavy. You tell me that shit not be. <laughs> plop plop fizz fizz, and then he shows up like that's right, bitch. That you you tell me that's not making money right there. That's making money, my guy. No, uh, no, but for real, like I I do think that if you deal with with uh, Gaethje in a way, if you lure him into a broom and then pull the rug out from under him and go, psych being technical you know, you're probably going to get, and it's hard to do because he's a super tough and yet super smart fighter. Problem is some athletic fighters like Zane had mentioned in the past, right? Some guys, their, their, their body gets ahead of their brain and they do shit, you know, because they, they get hype. And, and, you know, it's tough to say that about Gaethje because his finishing instincts are so sublime. They're lovely to watch because he's so disciplined and patient with a lot of things, but sometimes he does jump the gun and that's where fizzy might be able to work it. and, And, and really, um, you know, just just start getting in there and putting him on ice, man. I really think he's not just gonna win, I think he's gonna get the finish. So I'm going with physiod.
1: All right. Uh Mookie is also going with Fizia. Now we get to the main event. Fight number three between Leon Edwards and Kamaru Usman. Usman has a win. Leon Edwards has a win. I'm taking Usman here because he was beating the absolute stuffing out of Leon all the way up until the end. And I feel like He has probably taken a good stock of that video, of that clip, (laughs) and watched it about 2,300 million trillion times and worked on closing that hole like there's no tomorrow. I, I'm not saying that Leon can't get this done. He absolutely can. And this might be the unraveling of Kamaru. That 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 knockout might be the, the, the end here. I don't know. But I have to look at his body of work leading up to that. And I have to look at the fight itself leading up to that moment.
0: Hmm.
1: I can't imagine that Kamaru is going to make those same mistakes. I can't. So I'm going to go with Kamaru and 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 hope for the best. But I, I I wouldn't be surprised if Leon managed to get this done again because who knows? Uh, men, women, it doesn't matter. When you get knocked out, it changes something in you. And how you recover from that in, in the days, weeks, months following that is um, the difference maker. So I guess this is where we're going to find out.
2: I need you to back up a second. Tell me more about this man's holes. Okay, no, that never mind. Okay. So, so <laughs> my thing here with this fight, right? I I I really do wonder, and I think Leon made some points that um are very much worth considering, you know, because what you just mentioned, he said that as well, right? These knockout. You don't know how that changes somebody. Exactly. And you gotta wonder, like, is Usman gonna be in there? And again, this is where my fascination with the subconscious mm-hmm. mentioned countless times comes into play. Um, is that going to be present? I'm sure it probably will. And I don't mean it like, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, I hope it will get knocked out. No, no, I don't mean that. He's a professional. He knows what he's doing. He's he's been in some battles, and they are one in one, but of course, not all one in one Uh, rivalries are made equal, right? I mean, there was domination in the first fight, almost in the second and then, you know, we got the big finale. I feel like there's something about that confidence that a champion carries. When you look at the way that that Leon is talking and moving and kind of watching some of the training footage and you see him like, you know what? No, I'm not unstoppable. I'm not untouchable, but I am working harder than the next guy. I am out hustling and that that can do a lot of really dangerous things for whoever you put in front of him. And I kind of worry about that for Usman. You know, I think that Leon's confidence in himself and seeing how Usman fought the first two times, knowing what he does best, now having the prep time, now having more time to study tape and to even um, to, to analyze things even further on a level where he's going to um you know not have many surprises because again what adjustments does Usman make you know I mean Leo's got plenty of adjustments that he needed to make and we know what those are and he knows them too but does what what is what is Usman do now even with a genius like like uh, like Trevor Whitman you know and I mean I understand I know Allee Trevor Whitman has his detractors and there are there are certain things that his fighters do that you know kind of ain't you know uh, probably not you know not not optimal but that doesn't mean that he hasn't done great by them. And it doesn't mean that he hasn't provided some insane results with with the talent that he's had. So I'm curious about how that's going to affect everything. And I really, really think that in the end, you know, now mentally, mentally coming into this, Leon's got the momentum. And I think he takes it.
1: Wow. All right. I wasn't expecting you to go that direction. Mm-hmm. Okay. Once again, Victor is being bold. So,
2: <clears throat> Daddy, Daddy, stay reckless. <laughs> That's my <laughs> motto.
1: Okay. So let me recap. Mookie is, by the way, taking Kamara Usman. He's also taking Rafael Fiziev, Gunnar Nelson, K- King Casey O'Neill, and Marvin Vittori. I am taking Kamara Usman, Rafael Fiziev, Brian Barbarina, Jennifer Maya, and Roman Dolidze. Victor is going the exact same way, except he is taking Leon Edwards. So you win. Different from every single pick Mookie made except for Rafael Fiziev. That is the only pick we are in unison on. <laughs>
2: I've, I've been defeated by a child before. I have no shame.
1: <laughs> it's not the, the
2: problem is not losing to a child. It's losing to a Canadian of all things. I mean, is there anything even lower <laughs> on the scale than not? I don't know what that is.
1: <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. Mookie's going to be so mad. All right. So on that note, we are going to wrap the show. I know we've been meandering all over the place today, but it was a fun show. And I had a good laugh at some of our salacious headlines. Looking forward to this card because you know what takes a lot of stress away? Watching some good sanctioned violence and forgetting all of the extracurricular stuff. That surrounds that sanctioned violence. Just gonna go into it and ignore all the shitty promotion, and just look at the fights. How about that? Yep.
2: That's 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 fair. I can take that.
1: All right. So do me a favor. Follow this awesome dude. He is on Twitter at Vic M Rodriguez. He is on OnlyFans at Trot. <laughs> See, I get to OnlyFans and I immediately start tripping. And
2: uh, you. Is that what you're going like, to
1: Tiger Driver 91 on OnlyFans, and his Insta is Victor Sinister Rodriguez. Follow Mookie on Twitter at Mookie Alexander, and over at SB Nation's Field Goals website, where he is the managing editor. Victor and I work for Bloody Elbow. We ain't going nowhere. Get over there. Subscribe to our sub stack. Listen to the pre-recorded outro while you're there and uh, it'll tell you where you can find this show and all the other great Bloody Elbow shows. So until next time, please stay safe. Just a little reminder that you can support the MMA Vivisection, the MMA Depressed Us, and the 6th round post-fight show simply by going to patreon.com slash mmavivisection. With 3 different tiers ranging from $3 to $7, it's incredibly easy to to show support to your favorite analysts, Zane, Connor, Eddie, and Phil. So if you have a few dollars to spare, please consider us. Thank you so much.
3: bill paid is editorial writing. And um, doing editorial writing, there's always a question of, is there a squeeze on you? What are you, you going to say, you know, do, do we have, you know, financial backers who are also in bed with the UFC or Bellator? Or you can't say this, you can't mm-hmm. say that. And that's something that I always love about Bloody Elbow is that, you know, it, like, like for me, Bloody Elbow is like the only remaining blog. And that sounds like a diss to a lot of people, especially in a journalistic sense, but I mean it in the best way possible. Because I know for a fact that almost every person who makes a decision in this sport, whether it's someone from the UFC, from Bellator, from one championship, Verizon, people who work for athletic commissions, They read Bloody Elbow every day, every fucking day. And for me, it feels kind of like the last bastion where people can, I I don't think it's the only good source of MMA editorial writing, but it feels like for me, the last bastion of MMA editorial writing where people can just be honest.
0: the Level Change Podcast. The MMA Vivis section The Sixth Round Post-Fight Show. Sixth Round Retro. The MMA Depressed Us. Crooklyn's Corner. Exclusive Fighter Interviews. Show Money. Guest podcasts, The Hey Not The Base Podcast. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow. Facebook at Facebook.com slash Bloody Elbow Blog. And as always, on BloodyElbow.com.
1: Thank you all for your ongoing support in our journey to take Bloody Elbow independent. Please subscribe today to BloodyElbow.substack.com. With your support, we can continue to provide you with your best source of MMA content, 24-7, 365.